Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're pouring the wine and queuing up the playlist for today's Album in an Hour special edition. Let's talk about love. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're your hosts, Annie and Derek, and today we are raising our glasses to talk about songs of love. Speaking of love, how are you, my love? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I am looking forward to uh, revealing that I am hopefully not as romantic as I make out in my early day to day. It's a perception everybody has of me, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm curious to talk about this because love songs aren't usually what kind of hits my playlist, but we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So, my love, on this Valentine's Day, tell me, do you like love songs? I would normally say no, but I like a love song that's not the typical slow, like, poisons every rose, has its thorn, very kind of cheesy over the top. I like when it's kind of still in somewhat of a rock song or, or something that just doesn't scream that I'm a love song and that's the only thing I am. Yeah, I totally get that. Uh Sometimes when something has to tell you something that it's a thing over and over and over again, it's not really an authentic uh, thing. Uh, I actually have like a very complicated relationship with love songs. Uh, when I was young, I would have answered this question that, oh my gosh, love songs are the best. They're such true and representative of, you know, the amazing things that love is. But now that I'm old and uh, perhaps more bitter and jaded, I can't really say that I would enjoy those same ballads uh, in the same way that I did back then. Uh, They would seem pretty cheesy and uh, unrealistic to me. But uh, in fairness, all those songs are sung by kids the age who believe that type of hype about love. So, yes, I'm perhaps a grouchy old person when it comes (laughs) to love songs. (laughs) Um, however, I did find that there are some love songs um, that are that are more for uh, an old, jaded, middle-aged woman that I found quite lovely and romantic. So I'm sure we'll talk about those as we go on. <laughs> uh, so, what is a love song like? I think when you get into the definition, I quickly try to get past that very cheesy, very straightforward slow ballady kind of thing i like when it's just about you know relationships just a story it can be as simple as a story of you know a couple or things they're going through most of the songs that i love are story based so i even love that in a love song too right where it's more about something that happened or a story yeah for me it's all about uh, not necessarily even the story, but kind of the emo- the emotions that are evoked by the song. Um, I like a song that kind of speaks truthfully about love, that it's messy and all kinds of different things are brought up by love. It's not perfect and you know it, it's not a love ballad, right? It's, uh, it's a messy rock song often and sometimes a classical masterpiece and sometimes a really sad country song. So that does kind of lead into my next question when I was thinking about love songs. 
Um, does it have any lyric? Does a love song have any lyrical or musical parameters to follow? Do you think? No, I, I think for for it to be there shouldn't be rules. The the closer you get to rules, the closer you get to the sappy. Right. It has to be about this. I, I like a song that that love is a theme or or that kind of thing, but can be about layers, can be multiple things. Do you think that love is the main theme that is sung about in song or instrumentally played about in song? I, I think more of the emotion of, of love. Like, I think more... I think a good love song is the feelings right? and what's going on, what is happening. Do you think that um, it's because it, that, that love is kind of a commonality that, that kind of goes above and beyond uh, language or, you know, like love is, well, love and fear, I guess, which are... Are you going to say synonymous? I'm <laughs> <laughs> not sure where you're going with... I'm just saying that... that, that um, that, that love is one of the most easily expressed things through music. It's easily mm-hmm. recognizable, both lyrically and musically. Yeah, it's kind of funny because when I was kind of thinking about this podcast, a lot of the love songs are kind of post breakup. That like they don't fit totally in love songs, but right. like there's a Hayden song called "As Bad as You Can," "As Bad as It Seems," yep. and it's about losing someone or not being able to go after that person for social reasons for for whatever but there's also kind of a subgenre of love songs about the one you lost uh so what like subjects are to are like typically are love songs about love is a big subject so what do you think what words come to mind when you think of a love song i think emotion and feeling i think more than any specific thing when you get to rules that's where you get to the cheese you get very quickly yeah but even like I, we were just talking about, you know, like there being kind of subgenres of love songs. Does love song always have to be about romantic love? Like, does does love song have to be uh, happy and hopeful? Like, does it always have to be about the first, you know, six months of a love of a of a new love? Or it seems like know? most of them are. Uh, but but Interestingly, yeah, I see it very differently. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I yeah. see a lot of love songs as melancholy and like a lot of loss and grief and uh, the ability to kind of yeah and I, and I, and I think that. it goes back to there, there really isn't any rules that there should be you know is it a love song if it's talking about a breakup or or an opportunity missed or or that kind of thing i think that still is a love song me too also yeah. love songs can be about sex and seduction i you mentioned that when we were talking the other day. Is like, I don't have a lot of examples like the sexy song or. In fairness, you're you're kind of a punk rock guy. I don't know how sexy. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But. <laughs> Guns N' Roses didn't hit that topic very often, or or uh, <laughs> Rancid. Not a lot of love songs on the Rancid catalog. So. so do yeah. You, do you find any music or lyrics sexy or? I'm not exposed to it because when you said that, I kind of racked my brain and, and, and kind of went back and thought, and is never th- anything that I've tied with with with, with that. I, I more have tied the love song to either loss or something beginning, starting, more on the the kind of what's happening now rather than the 
mental image of like Saxer or leading to that? I'll drink up some wine and I'll uh, play some uh, pretty sexy songs for you later if you want. <laughs> are they part of your three or? They are not. Okay. I, I, I try to keep it fairly PG, um, but I found it really hard to choose my three because there what are. What is one example of a, a sexy or a sex? Uh, well, I guess song. if we're staying Canadian. Uh, you told me we had to. So. Yes, I know. We're, we're going to be true, true nerf strong and free. Uh, okay, back on track. Uh, well, the weekend. A lot of what the weekend puts out there is sexy, sexy, sexy. Uh, I barely know what that is. It's really great. Some dude in like the GTA that called himself the weekend. That's yes. about my knowledge. No. Of well, we're the gonna weekend. do a weekend album one day, hopefully soon now, because you need to find out. Um, he has a couple of songs, Wicked Games. Uh, pretty much anything he songs is kind of inherently sexy. He's got a sexy voice. Um, he has a song that was in Fifty Shades of Grey, which I did not see, but I have listened to the song many times, um, and I think the song is probably better than the movie, judging by what I've read. The movie's not very good, so... <laughs> um, he was... Uh, so The weekend. there's uh, a couple of... Uh, there's, a, there's a particular song by the Darcys called um, Coming Up For Air, which is about... Um, oh, coming up for air... <laughs> I don't know if I can say this on a podcast. That's our podcast. I can say whatever we want. You can. So the song, the song musically kind of represents the act of oral sex. Um, and it's pretty hot. Okay. Like, so that is a blatant. Like, is it this song? Oh, yeah. Okay. And the music is very reminiscent of that. Um, so it's super sexy. And I think guitars are the path to my genitalia. So... <laughs> Uh, guitar music is sexy for me. It doesn't have to be sexy as a lyric or romantic in any way for me to find it sexy. There are certain guitar parts about playing the guitar that are just inherently very sexy. So, I don't know if that counts as love, but I'm 42, so it can. I can <laughs> say so. <laughs> okay, we have to move on, I think, from oral copulation, and uh, <laughs> I think I'm embarrassing the... Uh, so do you prefer uh, schmoopy a la uber romantic, dripping with sop um, love songs or steaky, uh, you know, the kind of love song that plays and makes you want to whisk that person away off to bed? Ironically, I don't think either one of those for me. <laughs> like, like for me, it's, it's if anything, it's more on the schmoopy side, I guess is how, how you're phrasing it. <laughs> but more on the emotion, I like the storytelling. I like that. I like when it was a day or an event or, or um, things along those lines. So I, and I'm not really exposed to that steak as we kind of like. I'm like really not a lot of mine has that kind kind of thing. It's more, if anything, it would be more on the smoothie side, right? On the kind of traditional love song. I think I kind of pretty equally between both, maybe. Uh, an air towards the steaky uh, love song, but it does kind of make sense considering that I love dance and steaky music is danceable music generally. So like Latin music, like like well, yeah, those Latin for dance. sure. Yeah. Um, you know R and B, it's very right. sexy. Like um, there's lots of different genres that kind of lend themselves better to sexy music than others, and those also lend themselves to. Dancing and dancing is kind of 
like this second sexiest thing behind sex. So, to, yeah, it's like a form of sex, kind of courtship, a ritual. We should move on. <laughs> <laughs> so I was reading in my deep dive into love songs a little bit about a study by the University of Montreal uh, published in the Frontiers of Psychology, which sounds much fancier than the internet, so it's got to be true. <laughs> so uh, it offers a scientific basis for the paradoxical enjoyment of music-induced sadness. Study found that sad songs include a biomechanical response in empathetic listeners triggering, triggering beneficial hormones. Also published are the psychological benefits recording from being able to relate to a song's message, the kind of song that makes us say, oh my god, that's exactly how I feel. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I, I find this fascinating. I, th I think it's true. <laughs> it's a weird thing, but the first thing that pops in my head is an episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> they are watching the Smashing Pumpkins, who is one of my favorite bands, perform. And they were talking... Wait, wait, wait. So Billy Corgan as a Simpsons character on their TV? Absolutely. Oh, can we please see this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can find the episode. Um... Yeah, so Homer, for whatever reason, is on a Simpsons version of Lollapalooza. He, he's taking um, bowling balls to the stomach, so he's part of the freak show uh, of the Lollapalooza and the Smashing Pumpkins and Sonic Youth and a bunch of other bands were in the episode. Courtney Love was in the episode, too. But Lisa and Bart are watching Billy Corgan play, and he's got all these kind of sad songs and emotional songs and... And Lisa says, um, uh, well, the crowd's really getting into this. And Bart says back, he says, depressing teenagers is like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I kind of think along those lines, right? Like, like if you're immune to it, if you're ready for it, music can deliver that. Yes. Right? So, and, and, and I do think, you know, depression and sadness is one of the easier emotions to get out. In, in music and in lyrics. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, as Sarah McLaughlin said at, at the concert I went to this summer, is like, you get a lot more songs from the bad relationships than you do the good ones. Yeah, well, and, like, we don't remember the first time that you have a bad breakup and you hear a sad song on the radio and you're like, I'm not the only person who's ever felt like this. Yeah, and I think relatability, I think both with, with love songs and what this study is yeah, saying yeah. is, it's relatable, so it, it's attachable. Yeah. So, so once you put yourself in those lyrics and you – and I think it's much more easy to get drawn into a topic like love or, or fear or depression or sadness. Yeah. I think it's much easier to relate because everyone's been through that. Yeah. Where if it's a specific story about being on the road and having millions of dollars, it's – Harder to relate to that. And Although one day this podcast will take us there. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I, that study makes sense. So when you're reading kind of that information about that study, it, it makes sense. And I think love would transfer yep. fairly similar. I think sadness is even easier to kind of grab a hold of the heartstrings and, and kind of, as, as you said, you know, you know, can picture any teenager in their room after a bad breakup playing the most depressing songs in the yes. world. I remember and, listening and, to Depeche Mode, sorry, it's not Canadian, Depeche Mode's Blasphemous Rumor, 
which is about suicide and the and the actual like the synthesizers actually making the noise of the like life support machine and this was like the happiest song to me at that time because I wasn't the only person that had ever felt that way or gone through that and that is that continues I think that would be the number one reason why I consume music the way I do because I try to always listen to music to songs that call on me um, where I am on that day and it's always a validation for me it's uh it, it's good to feel validated that other people have felt the same things and you don't feel so alone and uh, it's easy to get easier to get through things. So um, and that's why the love songs that I like are relatable to me. The, the 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 story or the feelings or the emotion that the lyrics are going through. Are you trying to tell me that in a previous relationship you did not hang on desperately to a door in the middle of the ocean, post sinking after after a whirlwind romance? I'm sure. Classist. We'll, I'm sure we'll have to get into Miss Dion at some point in this episode. <laughs> But no, 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 I didn't. You're telling me you don't find that relatable, Dave. I did not find that that song relatable. (laughs) I personally, like, had a major, like, aha, like, point my finger at the computer when I read that study last night. So I'm feeling very validated today. Um, Do you prefer to listen to songs that invoke, I'm going to put, like, little quotation marks, negative emotions? Because I think all emotions are positive, but, or positive emotions, like, um, do you prefer a happier or a sadder song? For me, song? for me, it doesn't matter. It's about the story. Right. So if that person's going through something difficult, and a lot of the themes that I was looking at when I was kind of thinking of my favorite ones are, yes, it's difficult. We're going through a lot, but we're going through it together. Like, And, and that's relatable to me. Right. Cool. Uh, for me, like I said, it's very situational. If I'm having a happy love day, I like to listen to happy love songs. And if I'm having a shitty love day, I like to listen to sad love songs. So I'm really simple. I'm a simple girl. Canadian love songs. We're kind of a romantic uh, nation, eh? Surprisingly, there is more than you would ever think from this country. That There there is quite a few um, um, Canadian almost anthems. Yes. And with some international success, too. Like, like so two two of the the bigger theatrical love songs of all time come from this country. They sure do. Um, also, I was thinking of um, well, Anka, put your head on my shoulders. Like back into the '60s, we were. Well, I'm raining. sure his catalog. Well, I'm sure his catalog. Yes, yeah, a lot of schmoop there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. What are some other ones that stand out for you? Canadian love songs. Call and answer by the Bare Naked Ladies. Oh. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah, I totally know that song. Yeah, and if you call, yeah, and I think it's yeah, and and I think <laughs> what I kind of like about it, it's it's not a huge bare naked lady song, but it's it's a, it's a minor single. But I just like kind of the story and the you know kind of real feelings, not the phony. I'm trying to win you over. Like, just a real what's happening in a relationship. And I, I just kind of like like that song on that one. How about you? Um, for me, uh, a couple, a bunch come to, to come to mind, um, of course, and then some by the Arkells, because you don't get a cheesier love song delivered with more uh, more true Canadian passion than, and, and then some. And truly, it is a love song, a love ballad for me to my daughter. So I know it's not romantic love, but it means a lot to me. I love the girl by City in Color. Always has a great song called "Marry Me Archie," which uh, has also been covered kind of worldwide 
um, to some really good success. It's a great song. It's so fun, and the lyrics are beautiful. And, of course, uh, you can't talk about Canadian love songs without talking about the number one first song at a wedding of all time. Any guesses? My heart? No. Shania Twain. Oh. You're still the one. That didn't even hit my radar. Like, <laughs> at all, I'm thinking of all the songs. What are some other ones that came up on your radar? Kind of some of the big ones that, that had uh, some international success. Everything I do. Everything I do. Isn't that what it's called, the Brian Adams? It is. It's terrible. Yeah. But it's huge, right? Like, it, like it was a big part of that song, or that movie. <laughs> you have nothing to say about Brian Adams? Okay, so we will get into the Brian Adams. Yes, yes, <laughs> so we will. I, I didn't want to hit this in the first episode, but I always jokingly, and I'm sure I did invent this. I'm sure I heard this. I have always thought Brian Adams as the Walmart version of Bruce Springsteen, and Annie <laughs> was kind of appalled when I said this the first time <laughs> a while ago, and. I, I don't know who first said it. I, you should totally have to hand in your Canadian citizenship for that. Am I wrong? Is he not kind of the cheaper the knockoff version of? Yes, I suppose so. But I have to say that that the boss would never lower himself to a song such as everything. And I this do. song helps the I argument, do. right? <laughs> you throw that on for thirty seconds, and you're like. <laughs> yeah, and, and I do feel like, like obviously he has some good songs, and obviously he's pretty big in, in both countries. Oh, yeah, and, he's great. Know, let's, have, let's call it what it is. He's a great pop singer, and people love him. Yeah, but I think he was tried to spin as Bruce, and we're not quite there, and so to, to throw that narrative around... I'm just going to tell um, you right now that the podcast ends, ends the day that you call the Arkells the byway version of the Tragically Hip. That may have happened. Well... <laughs> You just you just keep that to yourself. So some For the other, good of love. So another one is we just saw fifty four forty last month. Yeah. Uh, I go blind, which is which I is a good. I never think of that. It's well, hootie. Well, and that's why I bring it up, right? It, it would be much more. It's in the states, obviously. It's a it's a hootie and the blowfish yep. song in the states, but it was written by the the boys Can in I Vancouver. Can I just say that I just saw Derek's notes, and it actually says everything I do by Walmart Brian. So I want you to picture, I've done a lot of research. I went into a, a wormhole, as it were, uh, of the person who could literally fill a top 10 list full of the top Canadian love songs of all time. Uh, both, she has more than two? Both commercially, you be quiet, both commercially and like by popularity. And are any of them not cheesy? Are you getting a sinking feeling right now? Oh my God, that's the worst part. <laughs> you like it. Um... So, obviously, if you're Canadian, if you're anybody, you know that the top love song singer, I'm going to say of all time, I'm sure that there's probably things to dispute my thing, but fight me, I'm going there. Celine Dion is the top ballad chanteuse of our time, I believe. Um, and it is hard to argue. In fact, I have three hours worth of research I would gladly quote uh, that says that the Titanic theme, My Heart Will Go On, is both her signature song and the top Canadian love song of all time. If not, the top Cana the, the top love song of all time. What do you feel about this, Derek? It's pretty hard to argue that. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I've tried my best. I've tried to figure out, like, <laughs> like you know, um, lot, lots of, you know, great Canadian stuff. And the Paul Anka, I kind of like to look at, like, like 
he had some major success in the 50s totally. and 60s. He and... definitely was the pre-Celine Celine. Yeah. Uh, so, greatest love song of all time, My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. Uh, sung by Celine Dion. Actually, she um, didn't write it? She did not write it. Oh, that's surprising. Uh, she did not compose it. It was composed by James Horner. Um, interestingly enough... Is it a name I, I should know? I, don't I want you to... Yeah, he's kind of like a soundtrack guy. Okay. He's like he's the, a... not John Williams, John Williams. So... There's no lyrics in John Williams' song. But he didn't write the lyrics for this. Oh, the, oh yeah. sorry, just the or He just did the, yeah, so like he the... did the whole Titanic soundtrack. Oh, okay. So the... The sounds. Did he pen the lyrics? He did not, and I will get that okay. for an addendum for our podcast. Oh, okay. So he did the entire Titanic soundtrack, and if you've seen the movie, the movie Titanic, you will know that the 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 musical themes in the song "My Heart Will Go On" are pretty much replayed throughout the whole song over and over again. Yep. Um, but interestingly enough, neither Celine Dion nor James Cameron wanted anything to do with the song. So it was Celine's husband, Renee, who kind of sold Cameron on the song and I guess kind of did whatever you, you do at home to you know, smooth things over and get Celine to show up. But I want you to picture Celine Dion getting out of her limo, walking into a, stu- uh, a recording studio like the queen she is, uh, standing in front of the mic, Looking at the men and saying, or the, the men and women behind the soundboard saying, we do this one time, <laughs> singing it out, belting it out in all its amazing glory, and then, uh, you know, little mic drop, perhaps, and then walking out. Because the rumor is, and it's, it's been spread a lot, that it was done in one take. So she, she couldn't see past the, the song in the moment. She didn't see it with the movie. She didn't see it as a single. She didn't see it as a radio hit. And she wasn't really invested in it. However, like the queen she is, she went and sung the shit out of it. Um, and it was, uh, if not done in only one take that day, it was done quickly and recorded rather raw for the movie version. When they went back to it to release it on her Let's Talk About Love album, um, they added a few kind of tweaks and made it a little bit more radio friendly. And there's two different versions on two different sides. Titanic albums, isn't there? Or am I um, wrong? Um, I think you're wrong. There's the same, the same version on both, or is it only maybe, on one? Maybe the Let's Talk About Love version made it out to, to the like an extended one, special yeah. play, but I, I can find out that too for it and put it in the blog. Um, basically, though, that song in 1997 and 98 went on to uh, catapult an already worldwide phenomenon, who was Celine Dion, to you know universal levels. Nobody uh, nobody didn't know the song. Everybody right. knew the yeah. song. Everybody knew the mega blockbuster movie. I, I could argue the song was just as famous as the movie. Yes. If not it's synonymous. More, if, not, if not more, though. Like, yeah. like, you may have not seen the movie. Like, that is possible that you haven't seen the movie. But, but you know that song. It's pretty unlikely you haven't not heard the song yep. and tied it to the movie whether you've seen it or not. So amongst the very many accolades, and I'm going to go through these as quickly as I possibly can because it won a billion, uh, won the Academy Award for Best Song, debuted number one on the Billboard Hot 100, um, featured on the Titanic soundtrack and Dion's album, Let's Talk About Love. Um, it reached number one in over 20 countries. Single, The single alone sold over 18 million copies, making it one of the best-selling singles of all time. 
second best-selling single by a female singer in history. Uh, won four Grammys, including Record of the Year, which is the first ever time one that award was won by a Canadian. Uh, it was the Golden Globe Song for Best Original Song, Billboard Music Single of the Year, and it was one of the top-selling singles ever in the UK, making Dion one of only two female artists to have ever released two million-dollar-selling singles in the UK, the other single being Think Twice, which was not a huge hit here, but a huge hit overseas. So, uh, truly, you could, you could like, just do a love song episode on Celine Dion songs. Whether you like them or not, um, she was a light in a very dark musical time. She was the fight against grunge. <laughs> <laughs> and you can imagine what I was listening to at that time. Yes. So what do you think? Did, do you like this song? or? It, it's over the chop cheesy for me. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to get into it. It's, it's, just, it's just not my thing. It, well, okay. So 1997, Annie loved this song. <laughs> like, with a passion, also Titanic. So I can speak with some fervor about this song. But interestingly enough, the couple times I've listened to it since, I would say I might even love it more. Oh. It's not something that I would like listen to regularly day to day. It doesn't fit in day to day like here's my fun today pod or no. er, sorry playlist. And... No, and I can't imagine running along doing speed work to you know. And it kind of halts everything, wouldn't it? Like, like I think like I think it would kind of overshadow anything else. Like like it would it's stand a big out. Song, it's very big. You know, and her singing, like her rendition, her voice is truly amazing. So for Celine Dion's amazing rendition of a song that she didn't even really like that became her biggest hit, um, I definitely would like it. So Derek, would you download it or no? Never. Never. <laughs> I have issues uh, because I would like to say I would download it. I would download it, but I would not listen to it often. I think that's, that's a fair. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so we each chose three favorite songs, uh, Canadian love songs. It was a hard choice for me. Um, Derek, what was your favorite? Or what was one of your three? Because it's hard to label. Yeah, I, I don't think I have a... Uh, starting with the first one, um, What Blue, which is from the Tragically Hip, which, you know, is one of my favorite bands. And we, We're covering those in a couple episodes. We, we passionately covered it <laughs> fairly recently, and we'll be out soon. But this is from the last album. So this was, this was the album that was dropped after the diagnosis, but was recorded before the diagnosis. Um, for, for Gord Downey. There's some powerful lyrics in the song for me. I, I think the most powerful one is it's the longest thing we do. So kind of focusing on there's lots of crappy little stuff going on, but if we stick together, the longest thing we'll do is love each other. And, and I think that's kind of a theme in here that I think the what's blue is very vague of what that is. But for me, I think it's all the day-to-day stuff that doesn't matter and it's like put that aside and focus on us and and if we get through that at the end of the day the longest thing we do is is love each other you know it's not a hip rock song but it's also not a ballad it's a rock song there's very traditional tragically hip guitar solos and and, and kind of things. So there, there is a rock element to it, which always kind of ties me in a little little better for me, that it's not that kind of grandiosis, like screaming this is a love song. And, and most tragically hip um, love songs, and there's not a lot of them, 
in that episode, we'll cover impossibilism. I always get that wrong because I don't think it's the real word. Impossibility. Impossibility. Look at how yes, I've been Look at you. I've been sitting. Kind of the same thing with that song is that it it's a love song wrapped in a, a rock song, and and I and I kind of like that. I like that. I like that it doesn't that the music or the feeling tells you that it's a love song. Right. That that it's the lyrics and what's happening in the story. Yep. More more than you know, right from the bat, it's telling me with the music that I'm supposed to feel this way. So I'd never heard this song before in this context. I've listened to the um, Man Machine poem, right? album um, a bunch. Like, it's my favorite album. I'm kind of like a new hipster. So can I say hipster? Not no. really. Okay. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm kind of a new hip fan, um, and I love that album because I like darker music. Um, and to me, this was that album's Bob Cajun, that kind of like unusual uh but kind of familiar hip background to it um but it was very melancholy uh to me what blue uh clearly to me felt like grief or loss or or depression or uh similar um and i kind of felt like the song to me felt like saying goodbye um like, like saying goodbye but remember to enjoy the moment that you have right here, right now. So we're all going to say yeah. goodbye. Be in the moment. Let's live this. This this was shortly after Gordani's divorce. Right. So I think it could be a summary of, yeah, yeah it didn't end so well. But remember the, you know. Remember the really good stuff. The good stuff and how long it was. Like, like really, there yeah. is a lot of good stuff here in some negativity. And, yeah. you know, maybe it didn't end the way we wanted it to. But I do think there's some positivity in this song. I do. A lot. Yeah, I felt I, really uplifted by this song. Yeah, actually. You know, it kind of has the there is good and bad. Like, yeah. like that. That's the theme that I got from this. So let's enjoy where we are right now while celebrating well what we were. Yeah. Is is pretty hopeful, even yeah. though it's kind of wrapped in a yeah. bit of a darker package. And, and I think it's a song that didn't get a lot of airplay. So I, you know, I'd encourage people to kind of check that out because. Yeah. Hey, that you're right. That album is really, re- really, really good. And uh, you know, for me, you know, I've loved most of the hip albums, but it kind of trailed off towards the end. And that that's the anomaly of the end of their career, where that that album is really good, really good. And, and, and not about the diagnosis. It was all recorded before, yeah. so so there's no correlation there. That it wasn't, you know, his his solo record, which really was a very personal finale to his musical career. This was just another hip album, just turned out better than the last four or five. So download or no? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that, fair. pretty quick. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, and that would uh, that, that would come back in your... It would definitely come back, and uh, I actually have already thrown it into my Today playlist, so yeah. music that's on my mind right now. I really, really liked it. And it fits in the album, so that is a good album to go front to back. Yeah. Uh, that song, I think, holds up both in a playlist and, and from a, a 1 through 10 on, on Man Machine Poem. So we're going to go from one great Canadian band to the other. Okay. I'm going to talk about one of my choices. Um, it's a song by Arkells called 1111, and it's kind of the opposite spectrum of, uh, <laughs> of songs to, uh, to What Blue. It is... Uh, Fun, hopeful, and incredibly catchy, right down to the, you know, the little do-do-do-do, do-do, do-do-do-do, 
doo-doo. I love it. Uh, it is so fun, and arguably it's probably their most recognizable mainstream kind of song. Or maybe not now, but it was for a long time. It's pretty catchy. Like the, it is like, so Like catchy. the second he gets into the chorus, yeah. you know, it's very recognizable. Yep. And, you know... I, I love this song, and funnily enough, before this, I would never have thought of it as a love song. Um, but because I don't love traditional love songs, uh, I had to think outside the box a little bit. And uh, I love the lyrics, uh, I knew from the beginning, it was you from the beginning. And if if there's nothing more romantic than that, I don't know. Uh, also, I've seen them perform this song at 11, 11 p.m., uh, which is kind of amazing. And uh, the song has a great energy, it's boppy, it's fun, and it just talks of, uh, it's like the first six months of the relationship that you want to work on forever to keep as, you always want to remember that it was, it was you from the beginning. <laughs> um, the song is growing on me, so I'm not a huge Arkellis fan. Um, I do like that this is a different type of love song. It, it is very pop. It is very this generation's music. Like, it, it's very fits well. It, and it doesn't stand out as a love song. Like, like in a concert, like, lighters aren't coming. Like, it doesn't have that slow pace. It's a fun kind of kind of poppy song. I love the storytelling element of this, so that kind of gets me in. It reminds me of one of my favorite love songs, um by Dashboard Confessional, hands down. It reminds me, A, because they're both kind of pop songs, B, they both have tempo, and B, they're kind of a story. Like, like, they're, like, like, like we're going through a bit of a day, we're going through an event. So the saving grace for this song is that it does remind me of one of my favorite songs. <laughs> and in this relationship, I'm going to have to listen to the Arkells. So th <laughs> this will be one that I kind of will, 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 will have to do. To to and who doesn't want to make a wish at 11.11? Who knows what could happen after you do that? <laughs> <laughs> What's your next uh, song on your Does roster? that make your... Uh, is that going to be a download for you? Oh, yes. 11.11? Thank you. Good save. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's pretty much a download into my brain. So, so yes, very much a download for me. How about you? It is for me because that'll be on the list. Like when we're going for drives, then I got to throw some songs in for you, and that will be one of them for sure. But do you like it? For, from a timeline perspective, so I, I have seen Eric House twice once with you and once opening for the hip, which I really wanted them just to get off the stage so Gordaddy could come above, could, could come on. Um, when did this song come out? So, like, like time wise, so I saw them. So I would assume that I probably heard it in 2013. I would assume that it was probably the biggest single for that tour. I would think so. Maybe yeah. your leather jacket. Leather okay. jacket is like I think the quintessential signal. But but yeah, yeah it's it's always been a big song and it's a bop, right? It, you don't have to hear it, it a and, million times first. In and order being to that really close to it. being released, I, I, I assume it would have been on a playlist yes. opening for the hit. I would yeah, I'm sure. Yep. Yep. What else made your list there? So this is going to be surprising. I, I don't think a lot of people that would know me that would uh, that I would pick this song. It is an Alanis Morissette song. <laughs> I am probably back in the '90s. I was probably a closeted Alanis Morissette fan. You're coming out of the closet I'm today. Coming out of the closet. Oh, I love it. I actually, with my my friend Kyle and some of his friends, I actually did see her in concert. 
Um, uh, but I was able to mask that, that I was going to see Dinosaur Jr. and Our Lady Peace open for her. So I was able to kind of say, oh, I'm not going for Atlantis, but actually did go for Atlantis. I'm a fan of hers. I love storytelling songs, and she's all about the story, right? She paints a picture, and... We're definitely going to have to cover, um, because it's been 25 years of... It's the anniversary of Jagged yeah. Little Pills. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to have to go over that album. What I like about this song and is that it's about being guarded. Like, like being nervous about ending a relationship with somebody that is very invested, and the person being guarded... And warning, hey, if I do commit to this, you better come along because I'm gonna go head over, head over feet. So I'm gonna go really hard here. And it's kind of those early stages where this person is deciding: do do I really expose myself? Do I allow myself to get vulnerable? That once I go over the edge and you know go head over feet, as said several times in this song. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, I think that's what it's about for me. And I, and I think, you know, a lot of people can relate to that nervousness. How much do I give at the beginning here? Cause am I going to get squashed if I come all the way out? And that's what I thought of this song. Yeah. Uh, so I love Delanis and I love Jacob and Pill. I think like every, what did it come out in? 92, 93? Anyway, very young Annie. I think later. I think ninety four. In love with this album, yeah. and this song especially because this song is very it, it my mom friendly. It did sell three hundred million copies, so you yeah. weren't the only one that. No, that, but this song, this particular song, oh, was oh, is very that right? Friendly, okay. right? It was better than you know. Oh yeah, right. Dave Coulier. Down in the theater, yeah. Yes, so young Annie really loved this song, um, but as we were talking about earlier. Um, my view on love songs are very, very different now than they were then. So if I was reviewing this then, I would be probably in tears <laughs> about the prospect of being um, asked how my day was. <laughs> uh, but old Annie, I'm really not that old. Older Annie. There you go. Um, totally thinks that that's a bunch of teenage construct and uh, I don't know. Like that's something I take, I would take for granted now. What do you think about the song now? What like what do you it think? It did not a... age well for me. Oh really? Interestingly, oh, because wow. of, of, because interesting one of my choices I was worried about choosing because I didn't think it would age well for me. Mm. Um, and I when I saw that you had chosen this one, I was like, oh, I should have chosen that song. That would age well, and it did not. It did not age oh, well wow. for me. It did for me. Um, the lyrics, like I said, kind of seemed like a teenage uh, teenage like fantasy almost and all those things that she uh, at this stage in my life all those things that she wanted somebody to do for her or she that person was promising to do for her are things I can do for myself like I respect myself I love myself and that is something I expect in a partner not yearn for in a partner um, but there is a best friend there is a yeah. that, that element yeah. to the song that, about that being said I like the song musically I love the harmonica uh, it's an enjoyable song. Um, you could pull the lyrics out and listen to this song. You could. Like, like it's totally. one of those few songs that, that it would work as, and you would feel the song, right? You could feel this song musically as yeah. much as lyrically. And interestingly, as somebody who has been a huge Alanis fan all the way through, so I have listened to Alanis 
like from then until now. In fact, I would argue that I listened to her before when she was getting slimed on whatever that show was. Did you listen to the Atlantis dance album or what? Yes, what, uh, uh, I love that. What was that? Atlantis? I was it just I think Atlantis? she was just Atlantis at yeah. the time. So I remember loving this song at the time. And I think that was only a Canada thing, right? That wasn't everywhere. Right. Yeah. It was very popular here. Yeah, yeah. So, but um, her vocally in this song is what really dragged me into I have to check out what's next and I have to check out what's next because a lot of that like that soft and hard and that very Atlantis unique sound is what really intrigued me about what was to come so this song I will credit it for keeping me interested in what she had to do because if she did you ought to know over and over and over again nobody would relate but this musically her voice is a great instrument yeah and I think a lot of people would say like oh Atlantis's songs are all the same and they're really not uh, even Jagged Little Pill, like it's all over the place. It's dark, it's light, it's like like lyrically and also song wise, right? Rhythm yep. wise and you know ironic and like there's a lot she of different some beautiful songs. Yeah, it's a really good album actually. Yeah, it is. What else you got? What's your next for you? Oh, download or no? You know what? It would come back for a short period of time. Yeah. You know, as we kind of did this, it would it would make a playlist like a driving playlist or whatever. It's not gonna last forever on <laughs> my playlist. But it'd be kind of one maybe that floats in and out when I'm looking yeah. for something new or a different variety. How about you? Nope, I'm happy nope. to listen to it once in a while in 98.1 and yeah. move on. And I think with the anniversary, you might throw the album on in its entirety. I would listen to the album, but not in the song. In its entirety, yeah. yeah. Uh, so my next song that I chose was uh, a remarkably schmoopy song, uh, Blue Rodeo's Lost Together. So I remember avidly, like it was yesterday, I could see my bedroom even, sitting by the, the, the uh, tape player waiting to press record and play at the same time yep. so I could get the Off the radio, off things. the radio, yeah. Yeah, so I could make a mixtape for whichever boy I was loving that week. Um, and Lost Together was... There's a lot of people that don't know what that recording. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, like our kids would definitely not know what that No, means. they would not. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's how you had to do downloads back in the day, you guys. Yeah, that was the uh, Yeah, that is how you, you sat and you waited and you tried desperately to get just past the announcer's voice, but so you're not cutting off the whole song. So that is, uh, to me, it was the first time that I remember thinking that love was on fairy tale. And that is why that song stuck out for me. But just because it wasn't a fairy tale, it wasn't the Alanis's, you know, guy rolling out the red carpet for for somebody. It's that it's strange and beautiful. And that it's uh, still very worthy, even though it's not this fairy tale that we're given. So I remember that being like a big moment for me as, 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 as a, a young Annie to kind of go, whoa, yeah. it's not the thing. Um, it was a very grown-up song, actually, to be on that current charting which you know like those top six and six charts are generally for the younger audience and it was a very grown-up song for both for the rodeo and for, for where it's kind of stacked in popularity at the time did uh what do you think about this one this is the canadian love song like, like i think you know celine dion and brian adams those were for the world yeah this is canadian like like it screams that it, it's by a really good canadian Country band, is that like yeah. how to define them is a little difficult. Are but interestingly, they, are they, they, the they first, crossed a lot of genres in are that they song. Country pop, if that's a thing. Kind of. Uh, yeah, and there was kind of like you know, kind of had Spirit of the West and yeah, some 
fiddles and some violins and yeah and yeah. I I think that uh, and looking back over it and it's a song I've revisited many times over my life at very different stages um, but not for a little while interestingly but it was my first gut reaction when we said choose your favorite love song I was like oh let's together by Blue Radio but I'm let's do it for 50 years um, but to me it's one of the like it's lyrically one of the most beautiful love stories ever written and I know those are big big words but the way love is expressed in this is the way I see love as a grown adult and as a mature adult yeah. you know it's strange and beautiful and I saw some, weird I saw some of the same musical themes as, as what blue going through disaster going through yeah. some of those very difficult times and coming out together or lost together like 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 that it's okay not to know where we're going yeah but if we're doing it together it doesn't matter i have not listened to this song in a long time until it popped on your on your i have to say i, I cried a little bit when i put it on my because i yeah. put it on my running playlist and yeah. when i listened to it i was like you know because as a 14 year old girl i think it was 1992 when it came so I'd be 16, 16 year old girl listening to this song yeah. thinking about what love could be like and then when you are a 42 year old woman we're talking about my age a lot in this show uh, as an older woman having found exactly that that weird and beautiful and all accepting love um, it's really come kind of it's really become a full circle song for me so yeah it's very touching for me download yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'm gonna to listen to it like five times tonight. I, I think the four or five times I went through it for this podcast is enough to remind me, and maybe it'll <laughs> bleed over. But and, and I was at such a different place when this song came out, right? I was very heavy into Soundgarden, Pearl Jam. This was so far off the radar at that point. But again, like if you go to a barbecue, if you go to a fair or festival. This song is kind of that thing. I can dance in the living room after this podcast is done. I know. With the person you Think, love. <laughs> is that a theme in the song, dancing in the living room? That's what I'm seeing. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so probably not a download for me, but maybe bleed over from, from one of your podcasts. I'm sure you will hear it. Uh, it's definitely a download for me, and I have to say I have a newfound passion for this song uh, thanks to this podcast. So it's been uh, amazing for me. So, interestingly enough, or maybe not interestingly, we both share a common uh, other favorite song. Um, what's that one, Dave? So, we both had this on our playlist uh, for our top three, I don't know, favorites the right word, but love songs. Uh, it's by Metric, a Toronto-based band that we both like. Uh, Eclipse is the name of the song. I definitely have heard this. I've heard it live. Um... It was never a huge song until you kind of introduced it in, in when our relationship started. We kind of were passing off lyrics and that to kind of express how we were feeling. It's a um, much easier way to leave it to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and if it doesn't come across good, you can say, I didn't write that. That's, <laughs> that's them. <laughs> so you can kind of do the best of both worlds. But this was kind of one song that kind of, kind of hit home, I think, for both of us, you know, in that time and you know for me it's a fairly straightforward love song yeah um probably it the most definitely a love ballad yeah it, it's probably closer to the traditional what you would think a yeah. love song like from a pacing and it was written for a movie as well for the twilight series yeah yeah and i didn't know that either i, di I didn't know this was for twilight um 
but it's a ballad. It's the really only one of, of our five songs that, that we kind of brought out that I would call a traditional yep. ballad. I heard it um, first in a metric iTunes recording session. Okay. Um, and it's a much different version. It is, but the, the other one is the still, studio. the studio version is still very good and very fair and very focused on Emily's voice. Um, there's there's a little enjoyable. different instrument, it, it is. instrumental arrangement and yeah. a little bigger than the, than the sessions one, right? Yep, yeah. for sure. And when I first heard it, I liked it. Um, so you heard that version before you heard the studio version? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I liked it because I used to, I was staying in a basement apartment with my daughter. And at the time she had a keyboard that we could attach Bluetooth earphones to. So I, I learned how to play it. It's very simple on the piano. And uh, when I couldn't sleep at night, that is what I would do is I would play the song on the piano. So uh, it was already very much on my radar um, for lots of reasons. I mean, it speaks almost of a wistful love or a love that you wish that you could have. And, you know, you're making, you know, you're making choices based on what you think is out there. And then one day it became a love song based on the choices that you have on a love that, that you know is out there. So uh, I remember feeling really weird and vulnerable sending this kind of weird love song to you, uh, knowing you like rocks. But I was happy to know that you enjoyed it <laughs> and very happy to see that we've made your top three list. So the lyrics were very kind of what we were talking before a, a little bit on the, the study that you were reading. This hit home, right? And I, and I think with a love song, that's what really attaches you where it feels familiar with what the person's going through and there's a lot of stuff in this song that feels the way I was feeling when I kind of got back into this song. I never really got into this song until our relationship started. I, I had heard it a couple times but lyrically it was how I was feeling at the time. Vulnerable. Will people, you know, lots of people in our lives know us independently. Will people accept us as, as, as a, a single entity, as a couple, um, you know? Yeah. I also, for a long time, really saw this song as a bit of a love song to myself. Um, some of the lyrics like, you know, under every scar is a battle I've lost, you know, or a reminder to me that there's always picking up and moving on and how far I've come, but it is a great pleasure to me to be able to associate it with um, the hope of moving forward. Uh, so to me, the song's pretty much a reflection of someone's struggle to accept what has been, uh, what is, and most of all, the overlying hope for what will be. Uh, so and one life. of my favorite things, everything starts now. Yes, right? that's exactly so, what I was going to say. Oh, all my life starts now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and I think for me, kind of, you know, kind of looking at love songs for the first time in, in that type of context for this <laughs> podcast, I think that's what I take home with a love song is the closer you feel the connection to that song of what's happening in the song, I, I think the more you're going to enjoy it. Where I think like a, a rock song or a metal song or a pop song, I don't think you have to relate lyrically at all like you do with a love song. Like, right. like a love song, I think you relate with what you're going through, and that kind of helps with the, do I like this, do I not like this? And love is happy. Love makes us want to be happy, even if it is 
in the basis of like darkest, gloomiest love ever. There's there's some dark love songs. No, but <laughs> at the end of the day, we all just want to love and be loved. Um, so looking forward to next week. Our first episode is, and it is the traditional album and now we'll recover one full album from start to finish. Our opinions on each track and some piffy and amazing. Uh, insights, obviously, into uh, what that album is all about. So I'm going to give you some lyrics, and you can uh, Google them, or perhaps you know them, in order to see what is coming up. So the lyrics are, You hadn't slept, we went to the liquor store. That is the lyric hint for our first episode. We are super looking forward to bringing that out to you as soon as possible. We had a lot of fun making it. Um, do you have anything to wrap up there, Dee? No. Nope. Uh, I just want to remind you to uh, please rate and review us on iTunes or whatever podcast app you have chosen to listen to us. And uh, most of all, please go to all the socials and like or follow or join uh, Album in an Hour uh, so we can let you know what's coming up next and keep you current on the great stuff that we are putting out next. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Derek. Since we're talking about love. I love you too. See ya. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.